0: welcome to the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Amy Farina, aka MC Unicorn. This is the podcast where I interview interesting people in the electronic music scene who are raving for a cause and making the world a better place. Tune in twice a month to hear incredible stories, advice, and insider tips from ravers, industry professionals, content creators, and more. As always on this podcast, the views and opinions of my guests do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of those of my own or those of Drop Base Not Bombs. As we do discuss some difficult topics on this podcast, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Drop Base, Not Bombs podcast. My name is Amy Farina, a.k.a. MC Unicorn, and I'm here today with the Corporate Raver. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. It's so cool to chat with you, even though we're in totally different time zones. I know. <laughs> Other side of the world, I love it. So I wanna start first. Can you let everybody know a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what it is exactly that you do?
1: Yeah. um, So my name is Alyssa. I'm 36. I live in LA. Uh, By day, I'm a director of customer success at a tech company. Um, And by night, I like to go to concerts and EDM events and document it all online on various channels and social media. Um, And yeah, so I kind of just balance my life between the two um, in the shortest way possible. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: And one of the main reasons why I had you on is I do something very similar. I also live kind of a double life. I also have a very normal job. I'm a consultant. Um, but yeah, by night, I am a raver. I'm MC Unicorn. Um, I do all my music things. And yeah, it's it's really interesting and funny. And it's really cool. I'm 32. So around the same age as you. So yeah. it's really cool to meet other people who are doing what we're doing, because it's kind of rare. It's few and
1: far between. <laughs> yeah, I've I've found that i it's it's more and more common as i started like putting myself out there like that but which we can get into more later but i feel like the more i've, I've talked about it, other people have kind of like come out of the woodworks and be like oh my god me too that's so cool and it's it's kind of funny because i don't like put themselves out there like that so it's been cool meeting people in that in that realm that's amazing coming out of the shadows
0: like oh yeah i do that too yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah totally
0: yeah <laughs> Awesome. So what came first for you, your corporate job or your love for raving? What's your earliest electronic music memory? How did you get into this scene? How did you get into this crazy life?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think it kind of started be- like before even electronic music. I was just a big music concert fan. Um, even just going back to, I remember when I was 10 years old, getting my first CD player and my first Backstreet Boys CD, it was just game over (laughs) from there. (laughs) And I just became so musically obsessed, um, with, um, going to concerts and going to shows. And so I wasn't always just into EDM, especially when I was, was 10 years old way back then, it wasn't as, as mainstream as it is now. So I definitely started off a more like pop, uh, pop rock type of music and I was going to tons and tons of shows like my record was 82 in one year oh I my god <laughs> a ton of it was just my I, I was like I found my happy place this is my my favorite thing and then fast forward to 2012 a friend of mine invited me to Coachella for the first time which at the time like that was totally my niche of music it was just like the alt rock and, and you get a, a wide variety. And I remember kind of looking at the lineup for the first time and trying to listen to a bunch of people that I hadn't heard of before. And that's kind of where I started dipping my toe into EDM. And I'm like, what is, I don't think I've heard this before. This is so cool. And I remember it specifically being Nero uh, Promises, Aww. where that was just like, I feel like my brain chemistry was just altered <laughs> after hearing that. And, um, I remember spending so much time at the Sahara tent at Coachella, which, if you know, Coachella, that's like the EDM tent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of took off from there that I was like, this is, this is my favorite thing. This is so much fun. And it just kind of fireballed from there. Um, but also in parallel with all of that, I was very much invested in my career and doing that by day. Um, and it kind of, it kind of parallel path. Um, so like love for music in general just came first. And then once I started going to Coachella and and kind of experiencing EDM for the first time, those definitely kind of parallel path themselves.
0: That's really cool. So I'm curious about Nero. Was it a live set when they had instruments or was it a DJ set? Because I'm wondering if that's kind of the crossover, if you were interested more in live music and rock, if that's what drew you in or if it was just Promises is just such a banger track.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I remembered which one it was. (laughs) It was a long
0: time ago. I don't 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 remember, (laughs) but I,
1: yeah, even just listening to it in the car too, just on the, on our way there, I just remember, I was like, I have to go see this. And then just staying at the Sahara tent and seeing a bunch of them. So I do, I, I remember seeing Nero. I don't remember if it was a live set or not, but it was definitely a very different genre than I had previously been listening to. So um, that, was, that was really cool. It definitely opened the doors for me.
0: Nice, Nero's amazing. Crush on You is always my favorite and promise it. Yeah, I love that. Yes. That music video is crazy too. Like I still watch it sometimes. Go yeah, and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah so classic yeah I have, a, I have a little different story as you I I grew up listening to electronic music because I was a big um video game player I was really big into dance okay. dance revolution so yes. I was like a DDR girl and I was like uh-huh. listening to uh I grew up in the New York area and I okay. was listening to a lot of like Eurodance and electronic music and stuff like that and then raving happened first and then later I was like I need to get a a job like a corporate job too yeah and I wasn't I was in in college and you know there's more to that story of course but yeah for me I think it was definitely the electronic (laughs) electronic music came first so yes slightly different but so looking at from Coachella how did you start you know filming what you do at events like how did you decide I'm gonna share all share all this on the internet because I I think that's a big thing to do
1: yeah I I've kind of been doing a version of what I'm doing now since then, since 2012, or even a little bit earlier. Um, I used to have a blog that I called the fan files, uh, where I did concert reviews. So it wasn't specific to EDM, but it was, uh, my, my friends and family were like, you go to a lot of shows. Like, I don't know what, but you should do something with that. (laughs) You need to channel that somewhere. Um, and so I started doing concert reviews and doing kind of like tips and tricks on, things to know about the venues, how to meet the artists. I used to be really good at that back in the day like knowing where to wait outside and getting the left. Was it the left door? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was like, you know, if you wait all this time, the door is around this corner do with that information what you will. Um, But, (laughs) um, but yeah, so I started doing that. I also bought um, a Nikon and I started getting into photography and doing concert photography and that was super fun. Um, I also, you know, back in the, like the digital camera days where you'd bring your point and shoot in addition to your phone, cause your phone could not take quality video to save its life. Um, I, I was, I had started a YouTube channel mostly at the time, just for myself to save things because I didn't oh, have cool. storage space. And then it just kind of, I, I got like 20,000 followers from people just wanting to watch the concert videos that I was recording. Cause I was very meticulous about filming the entire song back when people had the attention span to watch an entire yeah. song, but I would film the entire song. Um, and of tons of, of, at all the events that I would go to. So I just had this massive library of, of concert footage um, that I put up there. So I did that for a while. Um, and then as social media platforms started to evolve and change, I kind of naturally got onto Instagram and, and TikTok, which only for me, um, in the corporate raver sense was about two years ago uh, now, which is crazy to think because I feel like I just started this, but uh, it's been about two years now. Um, and I had originally started to try and get back into it because at the time when I started this, work was just at an all-time high stress-wise And I just wanted some type of goofy, fun, creative outlet that I didn't really have to think about and just to have fun with and get my mind out of work mode at the end of the day. Um, That was one reason. And then the other reason was I actually didn't have any friends in the EDM community. I had been going to events for, at that point, like, eight nine years and I was I was going to everything by myself I didn't really know anyone in the community so I kind of thought okay maybe I can just have some fun with this and maybe meet some people along the way and I feel like I've accomplished both of those which has been really cool so yeah I've just kind of been playing with it in that regard of just keeping it as a a, a, a way of me de-stressing and just continuing to make friends in the community
0: that's an amazing journey it's amazing from the beginning because for me When I was in college, it was two. When I got into raving, you know, going out to actual shows, it was 2009, and I remember I had my Walmart digital camera, and we would put all those pictures on Facebook. Like my my roommates would always be like the next because I'm I'm an early riser or I just don't sleep, so I'd be like up late, like putting all the pictures. And it was like from Cosmic Gate, and it was like Amy uploaded 283 pictures on Facebook. Like oh no, (laughs) and now it's like you go out and you might have three good pictures that you put on instagram not 283 with your digital camera
1: those days where you just upload hundreds of photos of facebook and that was totally normal you wouldn't edit anything either it would just be like dump upload and it was just there
0: I would find yeah. it funny to put ones that were like really bad. And like, I've recently went back through and deleted some of them, but I mean, it was many years <laughs> ago, but it's just funny. like, they, they were, they were horrible because it, none of You're them were over. edited. And we were also really into those crest whitening strips at the time in college. <laughs> so it was like a really dark, like a seedy club. And then you just see our really glowing. white teeth, yeah, like glowing yeah. faces and smoky <laughs> eyeshadow like running down our face, like not wearing shoes. And yeah, it was just. Yeah, It was a vibe. It was, it was a time. And do you, ever, time. do you ever miss those days? Like the early days when it wasn't so edited and templates and things like that?
1: I, sometimes I do. Yeah. I, 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 when I'm really bored, sometimes I'll scroll back to have a, a personal Instagram from, I don't know, 2011, maybe when I started it, and I, I'll just scroll back and it's just the, the type of things that I used to post just, or the quality of things I, guess I used to post were just so different. um. But yeah, you just didn't really have to put any thought into it, which yeah, you kind of miss. Like now I feel like I stress over everything that I post and I have to think about it because who, is there someone I'm going to upset by this? Is there someone that shouldn't see the Like, there's so many different things that go through your head now when you post things. So I do miss not having to think about it, Um, but times change.
0: It's wild how Instagram and social media has transformed as a way to like share your life and just share photos to becoming kind of a, a business tool or kind of like strategic. Uh, for me, I've kept the same Instagram account. I've just changed the name. I'm pretty sure mine in college was some weird princess something or other.
1: Oh yeah, I had BSB and Aaron's Angel. It was like my old screen name actually boys yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> I think mine was some something like that something strange and then I changed it to Amy the core because I, I listen do a lot of hard dance and um and hardcore and then and then now it's it's mc unicorn but looking back as well like i can see everything because it's still on my page and it's a lot of like lattes and margaritas and like just blurry pictures like my stuff on a bus and I'm like why did i post that like what yeah and pictures?
1: just the craziest heavy filters that you just thought <sighs> made so aesthetic and cool and i'm like i can barely see what you're trying to show me because they're so thick <laughs>
0: but- it's wild I, I wonder sometimes like how we got here and and what the future is going to look like. If if this is where we are now and it's 2023, what what's it gonna be? What's it gonna be like in 10 years?
1: I know, I know there's always that joke of Instagram versus reality. Um, I feel like is more true now than ever, but that's what I've relied really heavily or or pushed myself really heavily into Instagram stories, because I feel like it's harder to to fake that. Um, it feels more real and in the moment and authentic. And um, rather than just see, judging someone based off of one static post that they that they do and they have thought a long time about and edited over and over again. And, um, yeah, so I, I like the Instagram stories. That's my favorite platform um, or, or mode of communicating with people or putting content or stuff out there. So,
0: yeah, I feel like we get to really know you in your stories. So, you know, looking at your stories, like we get to see you you know, on your work trips. You travel a lot for work. So we got to see you in London. We get to see you like, you know, really be the corporate raver, this juxtaposition between your very, what's, I mean, I, I don't know you personally, but what seems to be a very demanding, high-powered corporate job and then your really fun rave life. So that's really cool. I also like Instagram stories. And funny enough, I was talking to a friend today and he was laughing at me because in all my stories of we have festivals, I do like an intro and I was am like it's day two and we're tired it's like we're day three it's like so now he told me he's like you're probably gonna watch watch when I say that but I did it for ultra I did it for Tomorrowland. it's like you know good morning guys like we're here at the festival I'm here with you know I list whoever I'm working with and I'm like we're tired it's like oh, you're always tired oh like my back hurts
1: yeah yeah totally yeah I always have to when I'm with someone doing the stories because one thing you'll notice too when I'm doing the stories I feel like I I do stories a lot more when I'm alone but when I'm with people I I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel like a little weird or awkward when I'm like you said like talking to the camera and narrating what I'm doing but um if it's my friends I'll be like just ignore what I'm about to say like before I start filming because they'll think that I'm talking to them and then it's yeah and uh (laughs) but yeah so my friends like go to events and stuff with me, they know, so they don't have to think about it. But when I was on a work trip a few weeks ago and I went to a show, I was with a coworker. I, I turned to her and I told her, "I was like, just so you know, I film everything. <laughs> like,
0: Please don't do anything inappropriate behind
1: me or to the left and right of me. <laughs> you know, just, I just want to tell you now, I film a lot. I will film myself. You will see me talking to my phone." And she was totally fine with it. She's like, "Do you? I don't care." But I did have to give her this disclaimer. I was like, cause she doesn't, she doesn't know about the corporate raver or any of those channels. So I was like, just so you know, this is something I do. (laughs) She goes, she's like, totally fine. I don't care. But yeah, I had to like give that disclaimer of someone who didn't that's know. That's
0: hilarious. Everybody I bring with me and all my friends know that I do this, and sometimes they give me shit about it because they always make fun of me. Like because hey, I would say, "Hey guys, like hey guys," and I have a nasally like <laughs> New York voice, like "Hey guys," like they make fun yeah. of me or like I'm tired. Or, like we know you're tired, but yeah, I c- I can't imagine being with someone who didn't know. Yeah, I guess I'd have to warn them too, like just so you know, I'm gonna be talking directly into the camera for three minutes about everything that's going on around yeah. us. So just yeah. Yeah, (laughs) be advised. That's so (laughs) funny. So speaking about other people, uh, the rave scene doesn't always have the best reputation, and I think this is where the problem lies. Is when you're talking to people outside of the rave scene, a lot of people stigmatize it as being a scene where it's about doing naughty things, you know, all sorts of nice things. And of course that happens. And, and you know, I've addressed yeah. that on my podcast in various ways as well. A lot of ravers are seen as being irresponsible or in a, a negative light. Have you experienced any pushback from people when you tell them you go to raves? Did your coworker have fun when you, I'm curious what show you took them to as well, if you could.
1: Well, that oh. one specifically was the Jonas Brothers. So. <laughs> oh, it was not rave. Okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> Not as much of a stereotype okay, okay. around that other than just being a child, but, um, <laughs> um, at work, um, I, I, I have experienced some of it, especially from, from leadership, um, uh, which can be really, really frustrating, but as a whole, I feel like it doesn't happen as often as people might think. And I think that's because I approach it the way that I approach it is it's only weird if you make it weird and for that reason I am actually very open about all the events and stuff that I go to and so if someone asks me what I'm doing this weekend I'll say oh I'm going to um a festival and they'll say what kind of festival and I I, I tell them it's an EDM festival or I give whatever details about the event that I'm going to which nine times out of ten it's, it's EDM um and I I think you could you could you could answer that question one of two ways You're like I'm going to an EDM like, you know, being secret and taboo about it, or you can own it and you can just say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to an EDM festival. And if you don't show any emotion on your face that I think this is weird, or please don't tell anyone or, you know, uh, be awkward about it there. It, I feel like that alone takes a lot of the the stigma away from it, because if you don't think it's weird, they shouldn't think it's weird. And if you like, the more you normalize that the more you talk about it, you're like, Oh That's actually, it kind of takes some of that away. And then another thing I do too, when I talk about it is I feel like it also comes across very clearly that this is something I just genuinely love to do and it makes me happy and I just enjoy doing it. So why would you criticize me for that? So I I own it very, very heavily that I go to all of these events. I tell all the, I I manage a team of 11 people. And so even junior people under me, they might, you might think like, oh, it's weird that your boss is telling you that you're going to an EDM event. Like, I don't care. You can have a personality outside of work as long as you get your shit done and you're professional during work hours when you need to be. Do whatever you want outside of work. So I've tried to set that expectation with my team and who I manage and who I interact with, and that's kind of what I do to try to destigmatize it a little bit. But it still kind of trickles in, you know, every now and then where someone will make a snarky comment, and be like, "Oh, are you, you know, doing whatever?" And I'm like, "No, actually, I don't, and I haven't in many, many years. And I just genuinely love doing it, and I'm sober most of the time." And they're like. They, they don't know what to say.
0: <laughs> or they're like, so, how could you be sober and listen to that music? I get that yeah. a lot, especially because I'm, I'm into that a the lot. harder style. You're into bass music, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so very similar to hard dance, you know, to hard style, where yeah. people are like, how do you live? Like, it's, it can be a bit jarring for people, I suppose. Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, but again, like sometimes you have to reinforce it over and over again. It's not going to happen just on the first try with the, with an, uh, the first interaction with someone. But I've definitely noticed that, that shift in, some of my coworkers that they just now think like, oh, that's what she does. It's not weird. That's just her, that's her favorite thing and it's okay. And yeah, I, not to say that would work in every industry or type of, um, you know, vertical that people might work in, but, um, yeah, it's worked for me in my career to just own it. Just don't make it weird.
0: (laughs) <laughs> That's like any other hobby. I feel as though if someone told you they had season tickets to, you know, you're, you're on the West Coast, right? The Padres. Like, oh, yeah. I have season tickets to the yeah. Padres. You wouldn't be like, yeah. oh, are you drinking a lot of beer at the at the baseball game? Like, yeah. no, maybe, but who cares? Like, send it your business. Yeah. It's a hobby or, you know, yeah. you enjoy going to see the Jonas Brothers or, you know, Britney Spears or whoever. I, I don't. I don't see it as any different. And it's unfortunate that it gets it gets a bad stigma. I used to hide it as well. Um, I went to law school in Washington, DC. And early on, I would always put like when I was doing when I was trying to get into making content or writing articles, I would always put my name as Amy Melissa. That's my first and middle name, not my first middle and last name to try to hide it. I would yeah. also just tell people I was going camping, like in my internships, like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm going camping because I did bring a tent to the festival. Like it's not a lie. Like wow, you go camping a lot. Like yeah, you know I just love the outdoors. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm a big outdoors girl. And like I'm not. I'm really not. (laughs) Yeah, just going to festivals. Um, It all changed for me in 2017 here in the Netherlands when I registered Drop Base Not Bombs at the Chamber of Commerce. And obviously, I have all my personal information now. I you know when you when you register a company, all your personal information is out there and from that moment on, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to hide this anymore. I now have my name as Amy Melissa Farina or Amy Farina. Everybody knows it's me. Everybody knows I'm MC Unicorn, drop bass, not bombs. I'm doing all these things. And I think I've heard you speak on podcasts before that sometimes it's difficult with some of what we put out because of outfits that we wear or the nature yeah. of the music. Some of the music too, like especially again with bass music and hard dance, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> this is like a lot of yeah. head banging, thrashing, aggressive, can be dark lyrics. And then obviously some of the outfits are not, workplace appropriate. So
1: totally. Yeah. I so I do put a lot out there. And while I do own it with the my coworkers of the types of events I go to, the one area where I am a little bit more private is I don't go tell them about the corporate revert. <laughs> I don't I don't go so like, just add me on, on social. I don't necessarily want them to see me in those outfits or or anything. I still before I post something, I always kind of think, okay, what if a coworker saw this? Could I defend this? Is that so? I definitely um, filter things based off of that just in case. I don't think anything I put out there is that egregious or crazy. I don't do any crazy thirst traps. I'm not, (laughs) yeah, going out there and doing anything too nuts um, or portraying myself, I think, in a negative way. So I do always try to think about what I put out on social from that lens of, and, and coworkers have found it. Um, I have had someone phone on our uh, senior leadership team text me and because there was a video I did that went viral and they go, is this you? And I'm like, I remember just my heart sinking and feel like, I was like, this is it. They're going to tell me to stop. And it's, this is awful. And what do I do? How do I respond? Um, and I just kind of kept the mentality of just own it. Don't hide it. Like, this is just something fun. Uh, and they loved it. They're like, that's so cool. And that was the end of it. And they didn't care. So um, but yeah, I still kind of filter everything before I post something based on that lens Um, because there is still a level of respectability I like to put out there too. Um, And then also um, another thing I do to kind of protect myself just from a privacy standpoint. Again, I feel like I'm a pretty open book on social, but there are certain things I will keep private. Like you'll never hear me say the name of the company that I work for. Because um, I am client facing, there's weird people on the internet. I don't know what they would do with that information. Um, I don't put my last name out there. Um, I almost, I rarely even say my first name. Not that I like keep that secret, but. People will just, and if they see me in a crowd, they just yell "corporate," and I turn around and I answer to that. Now,
0: <laughs> I think I called you Emma on a po- so I was on Emma Capotis's podcast, and oh, I yeah? mentioned and I mentioned you talking about Tomorrowland because she asked me about the difference because I'm American living in the Netherlands. She asked me about the yes. differences between the U.S. and the Netherlands, and I think I called you Emma. So thought your name was Emma. <laughs> I was like your friend Emma, the corporate favorite. So you know that you're you're really know. Safe with me. we don't know. even people know it. The- I was
1: kidding. <laughs> I know people in they meet me, are like. Sorry, I don't actually know your real name. It's okay. I I don't really put it out there. Um, But yeah, so things like that, I will keep private. um, But I'm a pretty open book otherwise.
0: Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess on the other side of it, do you ever have anybody not give you pushback or be surprised in the rave scene when you tell them what you do?
1: Professionally? Um. um a little bit, but I feel like it's it's ravers more than anything that know we're we we are real people with real jobs. <laughs> I feel like it's the people outside of the rave community that are, tend to be most surprised by it, I guess. Um I feel like the ones that I do get surprised by are um the the really young uh ravers, the newer ravers, um, that they they are surprised, but they also think it's really cool. And they're like, Wow, you're like a grown-up professional mm-hmm. still doing this. That's cool. um because a lot of them, you know, have really you know entry level jobs or um working in the restaurant, like, you know, different different areas. So I think they do think it's cool. But I do think most of that that stereotype comes from outside the community rather than in because I feel like it's it's people who are in the community will be the first ones to say like, yeah, how do you think we pay for all of this? We, have <laughs> jobs, we, we don't just, yeah. So I think it's I think the people in the community, I feel like maybe are less surprised by the, the job aspect of it, um, but still think it's funny um, to an extent.
0: Yeah. It was shocking for me at the beginning. Like I said, I started raving when I was 18. I was a student in college in Washington, DC. And yeah, I kind of had that stigma as well. I didn't know what to expect. And raving in DC, I raved with, I can't even say what some people do, you know, like a lot of like government, oh, high I'm of government sure, people yeah. that we were partying with my first rave crew team, no sleep, not going to say any names, but some of you people know who you are um, <laughs> and what jobs you have. Um, and, and also just doctors, teachers, lawyers, nurses, and like, especially the, I guess what shocked me the most would be like elementary school teacher, like teachers and like, Cause I was in yeah. school. So I'm like you're a teacher, <laughs> like that's, you know, you're out here on the dance floor. It's a Thursday night. And, and I love that. And I think that really changed it for me that raving is for everybody. Everyone can rave. It's not just a certain type of person. It's not just for young people. And I think we've all seen people on the dance floor that are well older than us. We're in our thirties, but well older than us. And and I love to see that. And I see it all the time, especially in the Netherlands. Um, there is a very active older adult scene that goes out to, to raves. And I love that. I love to see them.
1: Yes, that that's been one of my favorite things about going to anything internationally is just not feeling like the oldest one there <laughs> anymore. That that's one of the things I loved about Tomorrowland is just like, I felt like there were people there in their 60s just on a date night like they were just, it was just a normal Saturday night <laughs> for them. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And the Netherlands and Belgium,
0: you know, rave culture, electronic music, it's it's really embedded in the culture. It's really embedded in society. And we really lost it with Corona, but you know, now it's back. And I think it's just something people here grew up with. It's not like a subculture per se, although there are subcultures within the rave scene, definitely. But in yeah. general, I would say like electronic music is so mainstream here. You hear it on the radio, you're in the grocery store and you hear it. It's it's crazy. The majority of the DJs in the top 100 on DJ Mag are Dutch. The majority of DJs we know and love are Dutch. So it's just it's such a big part of the culture here. So it's it is really cool to see people who have been listening to it since the 80s and 90s and who are still going out and I love that and I hope that for myself as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I hope that that becomes something we see in the future too in, in the U.S. And again, not to say I'm like the oldest one out there, but I, d- I did feel, I have felt like that for, um, I do feel like that sometimes when I go to certain events that I'm like, I'm a good 10, 12 years older than anyone else in this room right now. Um, but when I when I started the, these channels and it wasn't my intent when I first started this, but I uh, when I first mentioned how old I was, that I got so many supportive comments and and feedback on that, that people were DMing me thinking, or lines of, oh my God, like I wanted to put, I wanted to go to an event. I didn't feel like that was okay. That's so cool that like you're, you you don't see someone your age going out and doing something like this, or at least putting it out on social. Like, I think they're like in the back in the, you know, wearing all the black and just kind of (laughs) keep into themselves. They're there. They just, you just don't see it as much um, publicly. And I remember going to, I think it was nocturnal last year. And these girls came up to me and they go, we're here because of you. I go, I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, we're in our thirties and we'd always wanted to come to an event for the first time. And we saw you and it seemed like it was an okay thing to do. And you inspired us to do it. And I was like,
0: I almost cried. I was
1: like, that means so much to me. And I didn't know putting myself out there like that would have that kind of effect on people. And I've even had younger people come up to me and say things along the lines of, you know, I'm, you give me hope that I don't have to stop doing this anytime soon. And I'm like, That's so just like I tear up every time. It's so cool that I didn't think that that was a fear people had, uh, but it is, there is a, a stigma around that.
0: There definitely is. I was at a festival uh last weekend here in the Netherlands and I was just kind of sitting against the fence taking a little break. Um, I was there for work and they, they, these 18 year olds were talking to me and they were like, Oh, you're 32. They thought I was like 23. I was like, Thanks for the compliment, but I'm 32. I love that when <laughs> it happens. Yeah. to me a lot, but I present young. I'm unicorns, so I'm always wearing like pink and glitter and I'm a, like unicorn back. Like Same. I present younger and it's our energies as well. Yeah. Um, if they knew me during the week, they'd be like, You're eighty five because
1: I'm like yeah. So when someone said I've literally had someone ask to see my ID and they're like, I don't believe you. And they showed and they're like, so someone was like a kid was trying to hit on me and I was like, I promise you I'm too old for you. And they're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I was like, I am <laughs> closer they to promise. Progress. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, I believe you now. <laughs>
0: That's always a good compliment. Yeah. I get, I get that a lot as well. And yeah, these guys were just like, Oh, you're 32. Like when are you, are, are you're almost 40. Like, are you going to stop? And like, no, like I, why would I, why would I stop? I, I love this. I made a whole life around around. me, my whole yeah. life around this. Why, why would I stop? I, I have no intention of stopping. Uh, maybe there's a time when I'm going to slow down. Maybe there's a time where I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I am already and this kind of segues into my next question is Do you see raving a little bit differently in your thirties? For example, for me, one change has been, I don't camp anymore. Um, I usually opt for a hotel and that's, this is going to sound old lady, but I do have problems with my hips. I do go to physical (laughs) therapy and I have issues with my hips and it's better for me. And also for the work that I do to be well-rested, stay in a hotel. And, and also I turn into like a feral animal at campsites and I just that's not good for what I do. I would not be professional. The content wouldn't be good. I would just be, oh. I go wild. So it's better for me at the end of the night to go to a hotel and take a shower, watch Rick and Morty go to sleep and then be refreshed and eat that big buffet breakfast and then go uh, out the door. The but anyway, yeah. I'm curious about about your story with this.
1: Yeah, um, same. It, again, if you follow me, I'm, I'm very vocal about being team hotel and team no camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I used to camp camped for years at Coachella so I've had the camping experience many times but that's one of the biggest things I think changing in my 30s is Have adult money now. I can go to more festivals. I can go to different festivals, and I can be bougie about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm gonna be bougie about it. And I remember going like when I camped at Coachella. There were six of us in a tent, and it gets to be 106 degrees in the in Coachella Valley at that time. And I remember, but that was the only way I could afford to go. And I made the most of it. I still had the best time. And but now, like I can't fathom the idea of doing that. And but I remember at the time, like I'm never going to be those one of those bougie people who have to get all the the, the fancy things. No, I want all of those things now. <laughs> don't I have no shame in it? I like, yeah. You just, it's. I don't want to do all the setup. I don't want to do all the breakdown. I just, I want a shower. I remember the first time going to Coachella um, with a hotel mind you it was like a motel six it was not a nice hotel in the slightest and my friend and i who had camped many years before we felt like queens we just felt like Mm -hmm. the fanciest girls in all of coachella just because we had a roof over our heads and we had never had that before and that was game changer i was like i'm never going back although i camped at tomorrowland last year which was out of necessity because i couldn't get any of the other packages um and I, that was awful, <laughs> the camping part yeah. of it, but everything else was was fine, was great. But the camping, I just, I can't do it ever again. Um, I'm doing Tomorrowland Brazil in a few weeks mm-hmm. and I'm excited to say we have a hotel, the shuttle to the, the grounds, so um, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> nice.
0: I'll be there next year. I think I did Tomorrowland in Belgium next year, but I'm hoping for Tomorrowland Brazil next year. I can't this yeah. year of my brothers getting married in October, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. And yeah, the last time I camped, I remember specifically was Mysteryland last year, Mysteryland August, 2022. And I was like, this is the last time. First of all, I'm not outdoorsy. So I lie, sorry to all the jobs that I've lied to in the past. Like I can't put up a tent. Actually, I would use like the pop-up tents. So you just okay. open them up. I can't put them back together, especially day three at the festival when you have like one brain cell left and you're tired. And I'm just like, eh, help me! And then yeah. I'd recruit people to help you, and everything is dirty. And then if you do want to take a shower here in the Netherlands at festivals, it costs a token. You have to carry all your stuff. And then Mysteryland, I lost my glasses. I ended up getting LASIK after that. It was just, I found the glasses, if I was wondering, months later. But, you know, it's just, I can't, I just can't do it. And I used to judge people for staying at hotels, too. It's funny, because my friends, I had some friends who would say, like, why? It's like, why wouldn't you just camp? The party never yeah. ends. And then now I'm like kind of want
1: the party to end so I want your party to end yeah <laughs>
0: so I can like relax and then the party is going to start again the next day and then you have 19 more festivals for the rest of the year so do you really yeah. need to like go until seven in the morning every night and not sleep or eat or shower like
1: mm, probably not yeah that, that's also been <laughs> one of the biggest changes for me too is the amount of things I used to be able to do on little to no sleep just knew mm-hmm. no bounds when I was younger but now I'm like I need at least six hours <laughs> to like be a good functioning human being. Um, and it's so hard to get that when you're camping because yeah, the party never stops. Also when I was younger, uh, I, my social battery meter also knew no bounds, but now I, I, I have a limit. <laughs> like, my social battery does get drained and I do like to go back to, Hotel with blackout curtains and just peace and quiet and not speak to a single soul. So a lot of times I do actually go. I I prefer to stay in a hotel by myself, mm-hmm. and I don't even like EDC. I had several people ask like, "Hey, you want to stay with us? Can I stay with you?" And I was like, politely, no, <laughs> like I, big no. Especially EDC is such a socially draining event that i i just i like to stay by myself there's a very select few people that i will go with because i know we can be on the same wavelength that they also like i'm going to tomorrowland brazil with my friend ollie her and i are very much exactly the same we want to come back at the end of the day or at the end of festival i don't i love you but i don't want to talk to you we just want to be we just want to scroll on our phone shower and fall asleep to peace and quiet and I don't know, that's what I like to do now. That's how I function for three whole days or four days, depending on how long the festival is. So it it matters to find people who can match that energy definitely you.
0: because not everybody can not everybody can and yeah for me it no. depends on the situation but lately you know all the events i'm going to are for work to to do event reviews so i have my tablet with me and i just i watch tv whether it's like rick and morty friend so it's usually rick and morty friends the office how i met your mother i have like a list of shows so it's like come back to the because it's hard it is it's hard for me to wind it down i'm very high energy so you're going like especially yeah. the music i listen to so get back to the room take a shower yeah. maybe eat something like but. <laughs> and then like I put on my show and if someone else in the room put on headphones if not because in other countries too sometimes the TV's not in English and like sorry even though I do understand Dutch I don't want to watch Dutch TV like five, no. or, like, or like weird I was in Germany too no. somewhere like I don't know German I don't want to watch the Big Bang Theory in German I want to watch it in English
1: Yeah.
0: Fair. (laughs) So sorry, but yeah, just sit with my tablet alone. Like put, just put on a a stupid show that I've seen a thousand times and just like relax, fall asleep. And that's important to me. It sounds simple, but that's like an important part of my like routine now is like having that moment to myself at the campsite. You do not, because there's, even if there's no one playing music, it's, it's, it's hard to sleep in a tent on an air mattress. Like you said, or with multiple people or just like, if it's not noise in the ne- mystery land was quite quiet at night. It was really quiet, but in the morning, people are rustling around again. You hear the stages, yeah. you're, pe- you're like, it's just, yeah, it's,
1: it's, impossible. I did, I did my first RV experience earlier this Ooh. year at electric forest and I I would do RV again. RV was, was doable uh, and I think, but also I think the campground we were in, cause I don't know if you've been to forest. It was my first forest, Everything. but they have a bunch of different campground areas they are all named something different. And the one that I was in this year, um, was called lucky lake mm-hmm. and it was literally on a lake. And I don't know if I just got lucky, no pun intended, lucky but on I, lucky lake. I didn't mean to say that, but <laughs> Yeah. But, um, I felt like everyone around us was actually very respectful that I stayed with two other people in my RV we We're we we're all in our thirties. So no one was like crazy partying or anything like that. You did hear the after party that was happening, which was almost a mile away, but that would be going till like six 30 in the morning. But if I put my, my noise canceling headphones in and my, um, eye mask, I, I could sleep through it and it was fine. But, um, yeah the shower line didn't really get too long it didn't feel super crowded uh so i would i would i would do that again um that was decent a uh, actual tent pitching the tent i don't think i could do but also we had ac the ac in the the rv was so clutch because it was so hot and it just i was actually just bundled up in blankets i love being cold when i when i sleep and i remember seeing everyone else's posts who were intense, just sweating and just so hot. And I'm like, I'm cold right now. And I love it.
0: (laughs) That's amazing.
1: I could do RV. I think I could do RV again.
0: I've never done RV camping. It's definitely not a thing here in the Netherlands. Um, and, And I don't think I've ever and Yeah, no, I've never done it in the US. But I think the other thing for me, the other main reason why I don't camp is because I'm someone who has a lot of stuff. I'm not a light packer. Yeah. So if we're talking about a tent, you are talking about a tent, a tarp, all the supplies for the tent, an air mattress, blankets, sheets, pillow, then all the food cooler. I'm someone who eats and drinks a lot. I'm a big eater and drinkers are talking about like, bottles of wine, six packs of beers. And then I also Ah. am a big sparkling water drinker, protein shakes, smoothies, then food, all the, and then especially with the work that I do, all the outfits, hair, like hair extensions, makeup, like talking about nine, I remember DEF CON 2018. I had nine bags. I remember putting them on security and I was like, (laughs) <laughs> they're like, just go. Cause like, so <laughs> it was just like, please, like, we're not going to start. I'm like, you have to bring a cart. Like people here in the Netherlands, yeah. we have like these carts or like to pull all the stuff. And it's just a ridiculous amount of stuff. And especially if you don't have a car, I, yeah. Mystery land. Another example. Uh, I took the train, the train was down, took three buses to get to Amsterdam carrying all this stuff. It was just, and my friend and I wanted to have two tents, one tent to get ready in, and one tent to sleep, which is so extra, but yeah. so carrying all that stuff it's just yeah Not, I'm done yeah. no more sorry come for me but no more i not camping ever again no
1: I know it's stirred up some controversy <laughs> so that's whole, our, that's right let me have I'm not it gonna, <laughs> yeah I know I'm not gonna yuck anyone's yum it's just not for me I'm glad you found something that works for you and yeah for me good for you I'm not gonna do it though <laughs>
0: exactly Say, same here that's yeah. too funny so balancing your full-time job and raving do you ever feel like you have to choose between these two worlds Do you ever have to like prioritize things or make tough choices
1: yeah um and I feel like this year that's kind of come to light more so than any um and kind of going back to forest was I remember leading up to that there was so much going on at work at the time that I I was so stressed I was I was feeling really really guilty about leaving because also with forest you're literally in the middle of of, a forest in Michigan. You're not gonna have service. It's not like I can feel like I'm somewhat connected to help if there's a fire or something going on. So that was just, I was getting very panicky about that. And I was started to think I, maybe I shouldn't go. I was that I've never had that feeling before of thinking I would need to cancel on a festival because of work. Cause usually I work, I work remote. Usually everything's pretty flexible. I plan it ahead of time. Like usually, you know, it's, it's fine. But I had done so many things before that too, leading up to it, like two weeks before that I was in New York for 10 days. And then a week before that I was at EDC and it was just kind of a lot all at once. So I kind of started having this in- immense guilt of you've done too much. You can't leave work right now. You're going to leave them high and dry. I feel really bad and started thinking I shouldn't go. Um, I ended up going, everything ended up being fine at work, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to feel like that again so I've definitely kind of started to think about how I schedule things out and not do as much back to back to back to back to back like I like I was doing um because it also helped it also kind of ruined my experience for Forest because I was so stressed thinking about work the whole time that I felt like when I came back from Forest I thought I didn't I didn't experience that like I should have and everyone talks about this magic of Forest and that's their favorite place and all of this. And I, I didn't feel that while I was there because I, ju- I could not stop thinking about work and it felt really bad. Um, So yeah, it's definitely kind of played a, a factor into me um, pulling back on stuff this year because last year too, I started feeling that a little bit last year too. I did 13 festivals last year and I think I was still just in post COVID say yes to everything mode mm-hmm. and just, everything because this could be stripped away from you again at any time and you don't know um this year I'm probably doing half of that um so it feels a lot better I think mentally but the time around forest was was a tough uh mental juggle for me
0: (laughs) Yeah, I find it hard sometimes to going to events to turn everything off. And raves are supposed to be, you know, your happy place and your safe yeah. space and a time to escape. But when you do have so much going on in, in your normal life, it's sometimes hard to to turn all that off and enjoy it. And you're like, everybody else is enjoying it. And then for me, like I'm always working at events, too. So it's but it's different than my full time job. And it's yeah. it can sometimes be uh be overwhelming for sure. So how with so many events, especially because you're out on the West Coast, there's a lot kind of like here in the Netherlands, how do you prioritize which to go to? Cause I have a problem too. I don't know how many I've been to this year, but like, I also have a problem saying no. And I am saying no to some, Um, you know, yeah. it's just like impossible. And also trying to schedule that I, you know, like I'm going to the U S in October. So I need to plan stuff there. And, you know, I, I need to give myself a little buffer time too. I made the mistake in June of like, booking two back-to-back festivals where well I do weekenders back-to-back often but one where like I came back on Monday night and it was in the Netherlands and then Thursday morning I left for Frankfurt and like I have a normal job too so like trying to do my work on the train yeah. and like the train like I didn't have a I didn't book a seat on the train because I I just didn't I just didn't overlook that so I kept having to move seats with the laptop and all the stuff is like oh my god what am I yeah. doing so how do you pick and choose what to go to with, with so many events you know
1: Yeah, definitely being in in Southern California, it's hard because Mm -hmm. we're spoiled out here. There's 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 just always something to go to. Yeah, I'm sure there too. Um, But I I feel like I have um, really worked on my FOMO (laughs) um, to say, okay, you've seen this artist. How many times? You don't need to go. They're Mm going to play again. Unless it's some like crazy one-off special show that you feel like you're not going to get anywhere else, like I always kind of try to walk myself through that mentally. Of uh, like, okay, Tiësto's playing in L. A. How many effing times have you seen Tiësto? Chill, you a don't me a lot. <laughs> yeah, so. He's amazing. We love Tiesto. You you're, you have something the weekend before and the weekend after that you really want to go to skip that. So I kind of try to plan it out that way. Like when I'm going to Tomorrowland in a few weeks, I, I made a very big effort to not do anything this month in September because I do not want to go into something like Brazil, like I did with forest and just uh, burnt out and tired and not enjoy it the way that I should have. And, um, which I've, part of me is bummed that like the older I get that I do have to pay more attention to that. I used to be able to do everything back to back to back and be fine mentally, physically at work, but that's not the reality for me anymore. So, um, burnout is a very real thing. So this month in September doing zero festivals and going to one show, uh, before, um, and it's just a local show, um, a one-off show, not a festival. So I really wanted to be in good, mental physical spirits before going to Brazil and traveling that and being able to experience that to the fullest. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I have to talk myself through it sometimes because even this weekend, I'm like, I have nothing to do. There's so much. I could just go, I could just go to nocturnal for a day. What's a day. And I, I'm like, no, it's like devil, devil, and angel kind of thing. Like, no, you said you stay home, stay home. So it's, it's a, it's a ping pong <laughs> for sure.
0: I have that too i have like pre-fomo like if i don't go will i miss out on something like not even during it it's like before like i should go yeah. because i feel like i'm gonna miss out and last weekend i was at dream village and i was just in croatia too like everyone's like didn't you just come back from croatia i was like i did i'm like like are you getting better with planning i'm like i'm trying but here i am again. <laughs> so this weekend i'm not doing anything i'm just doing this yeah. i've just been doing non non-rave things this weekend um for a little while as well but yeah it's it's super hard um on top of prioritizing events what else do you do to stay on top of your mental health um and balance you know your demanding job and and your love for raving
1: yeah um i and and sometimes this gets hard but i'm i'm someone who really craves routine but also there's this part of me that loves spontaneity and just doing something crazy and random and, and doing something all the time but I do love my routine. Like I, during the week, I I work out in the morning, I get to the gym at 5 45, 6.00 AM. I do my weightlifting. I eat a healthy breakfast. I do macro counting. I like keep all of that very buttoned up and, and healthy. So just kind of taking care of myself physically. Um, and, um, I started going to therapy again, um, after, after forest, I just like mentally needed something. Um, So I think that's been good. Just kind of learning like breathing techniques. And if you start to feel anxious and certain things that can kind of help um, take care of that. But I think the biggest thing, like I said, is just not overstretching myself and just knowing, being honest to to yourself and knowing uh, when you're scheduling things out through the year, through the month, telling yourself that's a little much, isn't it? Alyssa, you should, you should roll it back a little bit. We know, I know you want to go to all of it, but you know how you're going to feel after. So I think I'm starting to pay more attention to when I do do those things to myself and how I feel after. And then it kind of sets a precedent for myself of what I do in the future too. So kind of trying to listen to my body more before I, before I schedule that stuff.
0: Yeah, I do the same preemptively. And then I try also to like it is a little hard, hard for me with writing event reviews. I need to turn them around pretty fast, but I try yeah. to like not schedule too much with the exception of what I told you with Croatia and Frankfurt, but I try to not schedule anything like immediately after. So I try to make sure the Monday after a festival, I don't have too much with my normal job or I take off from my normal job so I can just work on the article, get back on track. Cause yeah, like yeah. you, my routine's important to me too. And I try to like ease back into the gym and eating healthy. And these, these weekend events really mess up your routine. Yeah, even if you do get good decent sleep at the hotel, like you're still not a hundred percent or especially with the nighttime festivals, the overnight festivals, like, like EDC Vegas, or here we have <laughs> yeah. um, ground zero. Um, yeah. For Bend Island, I went to is also at night for the, well, it's actually all day and all night, but it's like even worse, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, it's like, if you're getting home at six in the morning, I mean, that's not your usual schedule. So, and you're, if you're in another country too, you might not be eating what usually you might not be able to keep to to your schedule and your routine. So that makes it challenging as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the food and the diet for me personally has always been a really big thing that if I, I know that there's certain foods or certain ways to eat that I just, that just make me feel awful as great as I taste and as, as much as I love eating them. I know that they'll have other impacts on my physical health and my mental health so i i try to pay attention to that so like if I, i'm going to a festival too um i i try to pack really healthy snacks um so i can have those at my disposal too and not have to just immediately go to mcdonald's or go to you know fast food or something where i know i'll just feel awful after awful in the states mcdonald's overseas i feel like and it, we can go on a whole tangent about that <laughs> food in here. is so much better than here, but um, so the decisions made in other countries are, are maybe different, but um, yeah. So um, just taking care of yourself physically, I also drink a lot less <laughs> than I used to um, at events um, earlier this year, I took uh, uh, four months off of drinking, just no drinking I usually always just do a, like a dry January, like everyone does. And then again, just listening to my body, I was like, I don't really miss it yet. I'm just going to kind of keep going. It ended up being four months and I didn't set out for it to be four months or end up trying to like quit drinking altogether. But that break felt really, really nice. Um, so at events, especially long festivals, I I have like two beat boxes max um, if I drink, but um, yeah, I try to watch that too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the, and that's hard, definitely. Um, I I usually do dry February because January is my birthday month, so I usually oh, <laughs> have yeah. drink of my birthday. But, but yeah, I I I like to do I like to do that as well. Take breaks when I can, and then also try to take breaks from raving when I can. I'm already foreseeing that maybe like January. I, I think February. I'm going to a state of trance, um, here in the Netherlands, but I think like from new year's until then I'll try to, try to lay low, try to lay low again. can, but it's hard. You got to schedule these things out months in advance. Otherwise it's like, well, I'm already booked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like you said, doing non-raving things, which I know to someone not in the community or as like deeply rooted as we are <laughs> sounds so stupid, but like, that's your entire personality, which it kind of is. But I like, after, again, after forest, I was like, I just need to disconnect from this for a minute. And I remember just, going to the movies or reaching out to friend, like my non-raving friends and just saying, do you want to go do something? And we went to the batting cages and just oh, cool. doing little things like that. I was like, this is so refreshing, <laughs> nice. Um, or just going to get lunch with someone that you haven't seen in a while or, which sound like so such basic things, but I'm always on this go, go, go schedule and everything revolves around an event or an ADM event that I, 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 tend to forget to take a step back and do other things (laughs) which novel idea but um that was that was very therapeutic in a way to just not do all of that stuff for a minute so that was nice (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah people are always shocked when I have other hobbies I'm like yeah I like I I like I like movies I like go into the today I went to a park you know I like you yeah. know i hanging out like I like you know watching Netflix I have a Nintendo switch like I I like Pokemon as you see my background like I have other things that I, I like unicorns I have other things yeah. other other than raining yeah. and and working that like too but yeah, yeah <laughs> that's
1: exactly. so funny
0: so we're coming towards the end now, but the time flew. This went by really fast. <laughs> so I just have two more questions for you. Um, this is the question that I ask all of my guests. How do you rave for a cause or party for a purpose in your life?
1: Um, I oh, There's so many ways that you could answer that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. um, at the highest level, I just, I rave because it makes me happy. Um, it is my happy place. I have yet to find something that replicates that type of energy and level of happiness that I reach when I'm at an event like that. It's just unmatched in my opinion. Um, if you look at it in a more, more granular area, um, or reason, um, another thing that I, that kind of pushes me forward to keep posting, like I'm posting and, um, putting myself out there is for those people who had come up to me at events saying, I didn't think this was okay because I thought I was too old or um, I have a corporate job. I didn't think this was okay for me to also be doing. Um, so I'd like to put myself out there too and remind people you can have personalities outside of work and still be an awesome professional and kick-ass in your career and you can do both. Um, and you're not too old. That's so silly. So um, yeah, it makes me happy. And if I can encourage anyone else to go out and do the same thing, that that means a lot to me.
0: Amazing. I agree 100%. I hope what I'm doing and what we're doing inspires everybody. And thank you so much for today. I really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, was really thanks for fun. Having me. I feel like we have a lot in common. So lastly, where can people connect with you online?
1: Yeah, I'm on TikTok and Instagram uh, at the corporate river.
0: Awesome. Go and check out our videos. They're really funny. I love them. I can relate to them. And thank you again so much for today. And I hope to meet you in person someday.
1: Definitely. Yes, Monday.
0: Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. So that was my episode with the Corporate Raver. It was so much fun having her on the podcast as I've been following her for quite some time now and I could really relate to her as someone who has a demanding quote unquote normal job while also being a raver. And for me, I really do feel like at times I live a double life, balancing a career in consulting and a career in the rave scene. So love her content. You guys definitely go and check her out. Her videos are so funny. They're really relatable. Shoot her a message and let her know that you discovered her through the Drop Base, Not Bombs podcast. So you guys probably noticed by my background, (laughs) I'm not in my office. Surprise. I'm not in my usual spot. I'm actually in New York right now. I'm in the US for my brother's wedding. Just had that. And then I'm headed to EDC Orlando, Eric Prids, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely go and check out my Instagram, MC Unicorn Official. See what I'm up to, where I'm at, because I'll be all over the U.S. this trip. But for now, I am here in the U.S. stateside. And then at the end of next month, I'll be back in the Netherlands and then back here again. (laughs) So just keep up to date. You can see what I'm doing. You can see who I'm with. Uh, Just check out my Instagram. So before we sign off today on the podcast, I just have a few announcements. So first announcement is last month, I was at Amsterdam dance event with EDM House Network. You can check out my full review on EDMHouseNetwork.com. I also did a recap on on my Wednesday night lives on Instagram. So I'm just going to walk you guys through a short recap through the highlights of AD. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see some clips here and some photos here. It was really a lot of fun. So my favorite moments from AD 2023, definitely the EDM.com Mixer on Wednesday. It was so great to meet the EDM.com team. I met a lot of those guys at Tomorrowland, but it was really great to meet them in Amsterdam and meet more members of their team. We're we're doing a lot of cool stuff with EDM.com. That was a lot of fun. And then later that night, I got to meet Timmy Trumpet, which was so cool. I'm never going to forget that. (laughs) We had a private mixer with Timmy Trumpet and then got to see him perform. And of course, Tony Jr. as well, always puts on an amazing show. So Wednesday was definitely a big highlight for me. And then other highlights from the week, I met so many amazing people. I met some of my favorite content creators. I met a lot of industry professionals, a lot of DJs and to close out everything, Amsterdam Music Festival was definitely one of the best productions I've ever seen at an indoor rave ever. Definitely top five. If you guys have never been, definitely go and check out Amsterdam Music Festival. That was amazing. Armin van Buren was great. James Height, Medusa, Rehab. There was even a surprise set from W&W. So that was really cool. There was fireworks, there was confetti, there was lasers. So yeah, once again, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see some clips here. Otherwise, definitely go last year. It's actually interesting about Amsterdam Music Festival. They used to do the top 100 DJ awards there. So for years, probably for at least 10 to 15 years, I've been following that and watching them like, oh, I want to go to the ceremony. I would love to go. And unfortunately, they don't do that there anymore. And it took me till 2023 to finally go to AMF, even though I've been to AD so many times. But I made it and it was a blast. And I can't wait until next year. So before we close out the episode, as always, I want to drop some codes for you guys. There's new codes coming. I'm not going to say anything yet, but there are some new codes coming. So just giving you guys all the discounts. So first up is Shroom Beach. You can use my code MCUNICORN20 and shop from amazing psychedelic swimwear and festival outfits. And best of all, a portion of the proceeds from every purchase goes to support psychedelic research. So head on over to shroombeach.com or click the link in the description to learn more. My next announcement, you guys know by now if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, is from Relita Couture. Relita Couture is a handmade rave festival fashion brand that's sure to make you feel confident and comfortable at your next event. I'll be wearing some of the outfits to EDC Orlando, so stay tuned. As always, it's not a surprise anymore. The clothes are high quality and functional. Some even have pockets. Of course, if, if you're a lady, gets it, hard to find stuff with pockets or the pockets are so small. These are deep pockets, which I really appreciate head on over to RelitaCouture.com. Use code MCUNICORN at checkout because sexy has no size. Lastly, please check out my second podcast, Ravers Revelations, with my friend Elena Van Wyk. This is the podcast where we read and react to your festival stories. The podcast is available now on her YouTube channel, which I've linked to in the description. It's also available on Spotify. And if you're looking for bonus content, head on over to Patreon.com slash Ravers Revelations. If you'd like to support me and the podcast, give me a follow on Instagram, MC Unicorn Official, or follow Dropbase Not Bombs NL. You can support the Dropbase Not Bombs podcast for as little as 99 cents a month by clicking the link down in the description below. Podcasting is not cheap, as you guys know. So with your help, we can make the podcast grow, someday expand our team, maybe get a studio, more content. So thank you guys so much. That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. Give us five stars (laughs) or drop a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And we'll see you next time, December 15th, for my full review and recap of EDC Orlando. Bye.